The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting to the world from inside her closet and high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, registered nutritionist, Leanne Philipson. Depression, anxiety, panic attacks, substance abuse, self-harm, eating disorders, OCD, and more are all the mental health issues that are the norm in many people's lives. In fact, according to the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, otherwise known as CAMH around where I am, they say that in any given year, one in five Canadians experience a mental health or addiction problem. And by the time Canadians reach 40 years of age, one in two have or have had mental illness. Health situations like irregular thyroid, lack of sleep, hormonal imbalance, low dopamine or serotonin, and digestive imbalance can all affect or be contributing factors to mood and mental health. And I'm not sure that that kind of thing is always a part of the mental health conversation. Moving mental health to under the overall health umbrella, like this is everything. There will come a day where we just talk about overall health and someone hopefully will feel comfortable enough to discuss their mental health rather than their sore knee or their hip or, you know, their headaches and things like that. And I think that finding ways to support further what I talk about, you know, to do with diet and all of that, we can here, right here, right now, just put that right under that health umbrella. And I do believe that diet and lifestyle factors really touch absolutely everything and moving it more to a focus for where you can support yourself might, could, I think it really does enhance any other treatment that you're receiving or that you might also head off to seek. Now, I'm not saying that diet alone is the answer, but I do know that it can play a really big role. So today on Eat This with Leanne, the fourth in this Be Intentional series, a discussion about mental health with a very special guest who herself has suffered with mental health issues in varying degrees and who is an inspiration of how to be intentional with your own mental health. Now, I speak from experience as I talk about this topic. It wasn't until my youngest daughter's mental health issues became clear and a focus in our family. Only then did I actually realize that I too, well, I had suffered from depression at different times in my life, but I didn't know it. No one diagnosed me with depression, for instance, in my late teens when I actually tried to end my life twice. No one talked about the anxiety that started as I entered perimenopause and all of a sudden, as I've traveled around the world my whole life, getting on an airplane became a panic attack worthy experience. I didn't question if I was suffering with depression or anxiety until I actually saw it in someone else. And that happened to be my daughter. When I was growing up, the stigma 
was so much of a thing that I don't think it was even talked about. I don't even know that I ever heard really the word depression. And I don't know why. Maybe my parents weren't clued in by my doctor and they didn't give a prescription on their their typical pads, which were illegible back then, you know, to give me those meds. And fast forward over the past at least five years, I think breaking down the stigma is such a positive thing. And that allows people to not necessarily hide behind the shame of mental health. Now, Chris, do you remember talking about depression and anxiety when you were younger? Was this a conversation that I missed or (laughs) do you think it was out out there? Our generation, it just wasn't spoken of the way it is today. Uh, There was very much a stigma. There was it was and it came from our parents, really. I mean, it's what they passed along to us where, you know, you just you get up and you deal with life. That's the point. Get up, put your shoes on, walk out the door and deal with it, man. Yeah. And I do think that it really comes from the the shame of seemingly not being like everyone else. Mm. You know, that happy, that bubbly, successful, the fact that you fit in, like fit into what? I don't actually even know. And we see everything now. Right now we see everybody's everybody else's life is in our face. If you want to see it, yeah. it's there. Facebook, yeah. Instagram, uh, 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 Snapchat, TikTok, right? it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it then, and everyone is out there flaunting their best life, whether it's real yeah. or not is, is another story, but it's their best life online. So they're a game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's been talked about so many times you know, you see that and you think, oh, I need to fit into that. Or, you know, or just like, who doesn't feel normal? Again, like whatever normal is in the same way that I say that, you know, fitting in, like fitting into what? Yeah. I'm just hoping to fit into my jeans in the morning. That's it. Exactly. That's it. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, I think, you know, just generally as the conversation around mental health has increased, people from all walks of life have come forth and they've spoken out because it can affect people on so many levels. You know, we've seen athletes even recently, right? At our recent uh, recent Olympic Games. Can we even imagine the amount of stress that an athlete heading into the Olympic Games, they've trained for four years, they're heading into the competition. It was a gymnast who just said, I'm not doing any more. And it's been really stressful, this Olympic Games, I think, just as a whole, um, not having an audience. There are a lot of different variables going into it. It's been a long week. It's been a long Olympic process. It's been a long year. Um, So just a lot of different variables. And I think we're just a little bit too stressed out. Um, But we should be out here having fun. And sometimes that's not the case. And I think that was the most inspiring thing that, that I came away with she stood up for herself and said, this is not worth my mental health. Wow. I thought, I thought that was absolutely incredible. I think, and I hope that that brought it home for so many. So let's talk to someone who has intensely suffered over the past 18 months and maybe even more and hear her experience with mental health with the hopes of her vulnerability and experience in her talking about it could help others identify not only within themselves what they don't see or really realize about themselves, as that seemed to happen to me when I was younger, and hear what she does to help herself. 
My very special guest today is my daughter, Hadley. She's a wonder of a 16-year-old who has an energy about her that is magnetic, just magnificent. She has a smile that lights up a room and creativity that will take her to places that we can't even imagine yet. All right, welcome, Hadley. Thank you, my love. To thank okay. you. For, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna have to put aside the the um, the affectionate talk, or she's gonna she's gonna bail out of the closet, <laughs> which would make it a lot easier because it's pretty tight in here, isn't it? Nothing creepy about being talked to affectionately in a closet. <laughs> yes, on a podcast that everyone's gonna listen to. All right, so let's get down to the topic at hand which is mental health. And what I wanted to ask you was a few questions about your perspective of your experience um, over the past almost two years, I guess a year and a half really now. How would you describe the term mental health? Like, what does that mean to you? Well, I think the term mental health is really confused with the term mental illness because everybody has mental health. It's really just how you're feeling in any given moment. Whereas mental illness is like being diagnosed with depression or anxiety or borderline personality disorder or something like that. And with the discussions and the term being used mental health, does that feel positive to you? Does that feel or the term mental illness? Like when you hear those two different terms, what comes up for you? Well, mental health, I think that it's gotten a reputation of being negative or being a bad thing, Mm -hmm. just like not feeling good yeah goes along with mental health whereas mental illness is just kind of lower down on that scale just like more sad and more depressed I think a lot of people are afraid to speak up about their mental health or their mental illness and why why might that be in your opinion um for me sometimes it can be because I don't want to draw a lot of attention to it I don't want to make a big deal out of it and for other people, I don't want to speak for anyone, but sometimes it can be because you're worried about being judged or be being treated differently. Mm. Like people saying, oh, you're, you're sick in the head or something like that. Have you experienced anything like that? Yeah, you I have. have. Yeah. I didn't know that. What happened? Um, I was in um, chemistry class. I was doing a lab and it wasn't a big deal. So like I didn't mention it, but um, there's this guy that comes into our class for no reason he's just another grade 11 and somehow it came up where I said I missed a bunch I missed some school or I was in the hospital and then he asked well what were you like why were you there I was debating I didn't know if I should be open because I don't really know him that well and it's really personal to me but then I decided yeah why not I mean it's not a bad thing so I said I was there for mental health reasons and um he kind of made a joke about it and he kind of said oh so you're like sick in the head and I was like if that's how you want to word it then sure but no and how did that make you feel I don't know like not great yeah not very I don't know validating or whatever just thinking like oh you're crazy or I don't know that stigma yeah I hope I hope you felt sorry for him for being uneducated because that's really the issue yeah and I didn't I didn't pity myself for it I was just like, well, I know that you're just not very smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well done. Can you share with our 
with me and Chris and our loyal listeners, what depression and anxiety, which you've been diagnosed with both, um, feels like to you, your own experience of it? Because I think everybody has a similar theme, but just want to talk about what your experience. So maybe you can start with your depression. Um, It kind of just feels like something that's just weighing on you every day with everything that you do. And even decisions that you make that it would seem, they'd seem very simple or like depression really wouldn't have an action on it. For instance, brushing your teeth. That can be, um, if you look at it, it's a form of self-care. Yes. And having depression, it can make you not want to do things to care for yourself because sometimes you just don't have the motivation and sometimes you just feel that you're not worthy of it or that you don't deserve it. So you can think one morning like, oh, I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to go brush my teeth. And then depression can kind of come in and be like, "Mm, how about we just stay in bed? There's really no reason to get out of bed and brushing your teeth. what's, What's the point really? Like it doesn't really matter or even having a shower, getting dressed, doing laundry, making your bed. There's a term, I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, it's more thrown around on social media, mm-hmm. um, but it's um, a depression room or my depression bedroom, which is basically just a room that's really messy and has like clothes everywhere and stuff like that. People kind of use it wherever, but not really knowing the meaning of it because yeah. my room definitely gets very messy because I just don't have the motivation to put my clothes away. It's just hard to do things for yourself. How about um, anxiety? How is, what's that experience like for you? For me, it can, it definitely gravitates around schoolwork. That was very fancy wording, mm-hmm. gravitating mm-hmm. around like schoolwork or being late. Um, for me, generalized anxiety disorder, which is just kind of having anxiety around a, just random things that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily think. If I go to get a bus, For instance, yesterday, I had an appointment and I was taking the bus. When I took the elevator down to the lobby, I still had six or seven minutes and the bus stop is literally across the street. Um, But I get so worried and so scared of missing the bus. I literally sprint there. Um, Like I run as fast as I can and I get there and I'm out of breath. And I check the bus thing uh, to schedule to see when it's coming. And it says five minutes. I make it such a big deal in my head and it's really not needed to be. Because in the grand scheme of things, if I miss the bus, is it really going to matter that much? But my anxiety was like, no, you need to get this bus. Otherwise, you're going to be late and everyone's going to think that you're stupid and irresponsible, which isn't true. It sounds to me like you're aware of what's happening with the anxiety Mm -hmm. and the sprint to get there is part of your coping strategy. Hard to say. It's almost like anxiety is taking over in that moment. And that's the tricky thing with anxiety and depression for me, it could be anything else for someone else, but you're aware that you have it and you're aware that it's doing things, but you can't stop. You can't, you can't turn it off. When I'm telling myself that I don't want to have a shower, one, I'm not really telling myself that's depression. And two, I'm also aware that it's depression, but I'm not able to turn it off and say, no, I'm going to go have a shower. That's just depression talking. And that's different to a panic attack. Yes. Which you've suffered with in the past. Oui, oui. Mm-hmm. French. <laughs> Excellent. And so how does a panic attack feel to you? It's just everything on steroids. Don't do steroids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's your chest is so heavy. But for instance, when I was getting the bus, when I get there and I'm at the 
bus stop and I can see when the bus is coming. Like I text a little number and it says the 66B will be there in three minutes or whatever. Then I'm like, okay, I can relax because the bus is here and like there's an end to it. And there's a set point at which my anxiety hopefully will subside. With a panic attack, there's nothing really, like in my experience, there's nothing really that is an end goal that'll make it stop. For me, panic attacks look like usually hyperventilating, usually crying, very alert, not able to sit still. I can't stop hyperventilating. And that's the other thing relating back to earlier. I'm aware that I'm hyperventilating and I'm aware that I'm having a panic attack, but I can't make it stop. Knowing that this got really intense, mental health situation got really intense towards the end of 2020. Do you recognize, do you see that some of the things that you're experiencing, were they around before that? Has Have there been elements of this around when you were younger, when you were you know, a kid? I mean, you're a teenager, 16 years old now. Are you aware of anything if you think back? I can definitely look back and see points of anxiety that happened. It's hard to interesting because I can't place it and I can't really describe it. But just in my head, I'm aware that I had anxiety when I was younger. Mm -hmm. It could be around so many different things. Uh, I think social anxiety was a big one. People misunderstand social anxiety to like being in a big crowd and be like, oh my God, there's so many people around me. I can't do it. But for social anxiety can be a lot of different things. It can be like, oh my God, this person thinks that my socks don't go with my sweater and they're going to judge me for it. Or that's what's going through your mind when you're mm -hmm. in a social situation. Yeah. Right. Or just thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't do my hair today. This person's looking at me and they think that my hair is really stupid or my glasses are dirty. They're judging me because my glasses don't look dirty. Do I have mascara on my eyelid? I should have wiped that down or something like that. Oh, my bag, my bag is like really bulging because I stuffed my coat in there. People are thinking that it looks stupid. Like that can be social anxiety as well. So I think I really struggled with that when I was younger and in middle school more, I'd say with friends and things. And then in grade nine, especially my anxiety, I think that was when my anxiety was worse. Yes. Like at the highest point. And that was the beginning. So that was even 2019. There were things going on, which mm -hmm. I, as the mom can now look back and say, wow, that was anxiety and the beginnings of a panic attack where I was just trying to get you up and out to go to school. Mm, excellent reflection. Yes, there was a lot of that, that that happened. And as you grow older, Hadley, and experience life and experience these situations and experience these feelings, do you find yourself getting better when it comes to those social interactions? Yes and no. It can really just be dependent on the day. Um, and then it also depends on who I'm with, okay. of course. Yes, with experience, I'm able to kind of recognize, like, no, quite honestly, no one's really, no one's looking at me. Like, I'm not looking at them. That lady's hair is kind of messy, but like, I don't really care about that. So why would any, why would it be any different for someone looking at me? Unless someone is just a jerk. And then right. it's just like, <laughs> that sweater is so stupid. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there are jerks out there, but. A few. Yeah, there's a few. What? has helped you manage your mental health? I'd say medication has had an, a positive effect. It's kind of hard to say right. because it could be different elements that just happen to be making things better as I'm on the medication or it could be the medication 
that's improving things. It's hard to say. Definitely having people and like good people around me. Obviously, we all have people. The world is full of people. Be more specific, Hadley. <laughs> okay. Um, having like people that support you and family is great. Mother, you're great. But also like having friends that you can relate to. I've made really good connections with friends, with people at work. Obviously, my dog. <laughs> The queen herself, Lexi. She certainly is a ray of light, that's for sure, isn't she? She is. Yeah. yeah. She's a beautiful distraction. Yeah. Oh, distractions as well. Um, that can be in more intense situations, though, like distracting myself from something. Like if I'm feeling really sad and or really anxious about something that doesn't need, that doesn't deserve my attention, mm -hmm. then I can put my focus on something else. Like I can go and throw Lexi's ball or I can read a book, which I don't do, or I can watch a show <laughs> or you do, which I use a doo doo. You <laughs> <laughs> said it again. Or I can text a friend, which don't do as much. Um, it's, or, it's hard to reach out to other people. It can it? be for sure. Yeah. I don't know. So many different things, just anything distracting. Your creativity comes out. Well, I mean, some of the things that I would suggest because you're such a creative person is to write, you know, write a story. Your stories are absolutely incredible. Or Sally went to the store. She bought milk. The end. <laughs> there you wow. Go, one. See, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that at the end. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that is trademarked. Anyone listening, please don't um, steal that. That's mine. Anyway, back to the topic. Some, sometimes, sometimes you will uh, pull out your sketch pad or book. you'll get out your paints. Yeah. Sorry, not sketch pad, sketchbook. Thank you. And that's a, a very, that's a really good outlet for you. Mm -hmm. There have been many, many suggestions of uh, coping strategies with yes. the different people and programs, uh, hospital stays that you've been through. Mm -hmm. Is there one, I mean, I've observed, I've been in the room and I know the lists that you come home with from the hospital. Mm -hmm. I did come home once with like a stack of papers. No one can see, but like thicker than a Bible. Or if you're like really old, like a phone book. Yes. <laughs> with lots and lots of things to do. Well, it, it was a bit of a workbook too. You had written in it. Mm -hmm. Yes. You? But I'm also talking about, I was given a stack of papers, like of suggestions or of what was that things to I don't know <laughs> I should but I don't because I didn't read it <laughs> um <laughs> that's part of the tricky tricky bit is here are all the tools but also ha someone handing you a giant stack of papers when you're depressed being like this is going to cure you read it you're like no thank you no <laughs> that that's what I'm that's what I'm I'm heading towards saying mm, is here you. is a stack of things that you can do to help yourself it's tricky or I've observed in you it's difficult to get you from the place that you are to the point of wanting to help yourself mm -hmm. yeah how has that changed for you time hmm. the thing that controls all of us uh, <laughs> time and the support the therapy the yes people that, definitely the professionals that you having to? a good therapist yeah. yeah, she's been pivotal in 
things evolving. And I think that's the really big thing is an expectation of click your fingers and everything's rainbows and unicorns is just not, it's, I'm not really sure even with medication, if that would ever Mm -hmm. get anyone to a, to a place. And this is just what I've observed. So it's the incremental steps and the incremental efforts that go into this, including the therapy that you, you know, that you continue to do um, different programs and different people. Cause sometimes you've had different people that you've spoken to and then kind of grown out of and then moved on to someone else. Yeah. So there's also that too. The, the right person may not, maybe the right person in the moment, but maybe having to move on. Yes. It's almost like, take, you know, walking up the stairs, you've moved on to an, onto another step. With understanding that intentional wellness means kind of consciously choosing what best supports and health, you know, health is in your, your body, your mind, your spirit. What can you just to finish off, share some things that you do or are conscious of on a daily basis that help you to get through the day, whether it's a heavier day or, or a not so depressing day. Can be different for everybody. Of course. Everything. This is just you. Yes. Cause I'm the center of attention right now. Um, everyone listen to me. Conscious self-care things. And I'm careful saying this because I know that later, mom, if I'm like not feeling great, she's like, well, you said earlier when we were doing the podcast, no, no. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, um, ask, and then I'll say, I'll mom, just ask Alexa to hit it at a certain timestamp and put it on and I'll leave the room. And then, and then, and then I'll say I am moving conscious acts of self-care. I find help. Couldn't tell you why, but just being aware that I'm taking care of myself because it can be so hard to do. And it could literally be anything like so tiny. Like it could be any examples. I'm getting there, mother. I'm getting there. Chill. Oh, my gosh. This is this is your child. If there was ever any doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the red hair. I will call call her mini me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes. Uh Yeah. Sorry, you were saying, Hadley. I, I interrupted. Dang, I am so, so sorry. Old. Yeah. It's okay. It's all right. It's all good. Um, you know, the mind is going. You got to say things when they first pop in. Otherwise, you're just going to lose it. Anyways. Um, she says that at 16. Girl is <laughs> throwing shade. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> says the guy in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm with a closeted 50-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Closeted fifty-year-old wow. wow. talking on a microphone. Okay, so there's if you didn't daily, know that inviting me, that's on you. Daily um, incremental self-care. Yeah, and it could be anything from getting yourself a glass of water to like brushing your teeth, or for those of my fellow glasses wearers, cleaning your glasses, brushing your hair, washing your hair, having a shower, shaving your legs. Going and buying a snack that you like. Speaking from experience, I bought two tubs of ice cream yesterday and one of them is already gone. Yes. This was fully eaten by me. Yes. Mint chip Hagen dazs If you haven't tried it, buy it oh, now. You and I are going to be will good Venmo friends. You the money. Good friends, Hads. Good friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't encourage anyway. him. <laughs> he doesn't need encouragement. Mom. He does already there. He's there. I know. I know. So those small things, are they intentional? Where... 
you are doing this for self-care and in order to show yourself love or yes. yes. So these are planned, they're intentional, and it's like a thought through thing as opposed to I get out of bed and then just grab my toothbrush, get in the shower and brush my teeth. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a difference between you doing that and me doing that. Like, and for you in the morning, as you said, you don't think about it, you do it. Yes. So you're not, well, I don't want to speak for you, um, but you're not comprehending you're doing an act of self-care for you. It's like clockwork. Got it. Routines. Yes. Mm -hmm. So for me, being aware and purposefully brushing your teeth in the morning, like to take care of yourself, not brushing your teeth because you grow up with everyone reminding you, you got to brush your teeth before bed. Right. Being really aware that you're doing it for yourself or making your bed in the morning, not just doing it because you've been told that you have to, but doing it because you're taking care of yourself. Mm. And sometimes just the little things like that can just, you know, give you a little boost, some serotonin. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I, I would words. say that that is really the foundation of being intentional. Yes. Where you are consciously, you know, doing these tasks that many people who don't suffer with depression um, wouldn't think that this is something that you need to be intentional about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can also be hard because people, people might say stupid things that you shouldn't listen to. Like, well, everyone brushes your teeth. You don't get a reward for brushing your teeth or for even just getting out of bed. Like everyone has to get out of bed. Making your bed is just something that we have to do. Taking a shower is like, there's nothing special. Like you don't get a big praise for doing that. What people don't realize is, is it's really, it can be really hard for you to do that, to take care of yourself. And something as little as brushing your teeth can be such a big step that people will just dismiss and then it makes you feel hopeless again. So if you're listening and you're someone that does that, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Because <laughs> there are a lot of people that need to hear that and, and what it is that can help and support their loved ones who are, who are dealing with uh, depression and anxiety where they maybe don't understand that or don't have the empathy or even the understanding. So thank you so much for sharing your perspective. You're welcome. And I know that you have, um, you know, you've written about some of your challenges. You've been interviewed for articles. And is there something that you would like to end off with for listeners of people either these, those who are supporting uh, people with, as you said, mental illness or those that are suffering themselves. Life sucks sometimes. <laughs> Mom gave me eyes like, where are you going with this? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Life really sucks sometimes and it sucks for everybody. But I promise like, here comes my inner motivational speaker. Like it'll get better. And as much as, even if like you don't think that you're worthy of, doing self-care or feeling better or anything like that, like you are, everybody is, you got this. I believe in you and I love you. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've heard you say many times, you are not alone. No, you're not. I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'll hold your hand. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you for squeezing into the closet. Mm. Mm -hmm. When when I leave, it's going to be like, clang, clang, clang. Oh, and also, how would you like to pay me? Oh, and don't even it. say, I have, I put a roof over your head. Isn't that enough? I gave birth to you. Isn't that enough? <laughs> All right, no mom, mother. your turn Not to be, in, your turn to be intentional. Let's, uh, let's puff up the bank account a little bit. <clears throat> uh-huh. I see. <laughs> and then yeah, you're going to say, thanks. I just bought you a trip to the British Virgin Islands. Isn't that enough? No, mom. Oh. 
I see. Wow. All right, I'm well, joking. We'll, ta- we'll take this off air. <laughs> I'm joking. I love you. So while Hadley's been facing her demons, dealing with all that she has to, I, as her mom, have been advocating for her, finding her the right people to speak to, and really find her ways to stay out of the dark corners. Now, that's actually a concept that I heard a doctor say to her once as we were again, going down a road of what else might help her. And we were talking to a doctor about CBD and how could that actually help her depression? And that is what he said. That for me as a visual person just helped so much because I think that's what it is. If you just get into that corner and I've seen her in those corners, it doesn't matter what you do or try to say or anything, pulling her out of those dark corners is you know, becomes my life's work, you know, in a way, but it's only her that can get through it. And I think she articulated so well, those small incremental things, those intentional things that she does every day. And she's right about the brushing of the teeth. You know, I've, we've talked about it a few times. What is it with the brushing of the teeth? It seems so simple. Doesn't your mouth feel disgusting? Like, you know, that's how I come at it because I'm a teeth brusher. I like my teeth not to feel furry after eating sugar or the whole thing of haagen but it doesn't seem to bother her. It's not, there are bigger things going on for her. Whereas for me, it's more automatic. I found that really, really fascinating to, to hear her talk about that, knowing what I observe, of course, just when she's with me. To hear her scold people who, uh, sort of take that approach of, you know what, it's just brushing your teeth, get up and do it. Nobody gets a prize for brushing your teeth. Yeah. You know, to hear her speak so passionately about it to those people. Uh, yeah. I, it's see 10 years ago, she would have said that to me. She would have, that I would have been one of those people that would have right. said to her, listen, yeah. you don't get a prize for just living your life every day. I'm sorry, but you know what? Yeah. Like, just get over it and deal with it. That was me 10 years ago. I can admit that. Right. And now my daughter went through her own mental health issues. My wife has as well. I mean, because of that, I've been caught in the wave. I am so much more compassionate. I still struggle to understand it, but I'm compassionate to the journey. Yeah. And it's not easy to watch as someone on the sidelines. But like I said, my job, I took on the job of, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, fixer. I definitely am, but I couldn't fix her because this is her journey. And as soon as I realized that, and I was able to take that step back and also lose the mom guilt, this is not about me, right? This is not about anybody. Mm -hmm. It's about, it's about her. And as soon as that crops up, then, you know, it's game over because she doesn't have the space in order to just be her and find her own way. That I have absolutely found. And that's my work. That's also, you know, what I've gone through. And that's what I talk about when the reason why I brought Carolyn Munden on episode 102 was, you know, what is it? How can you get out of your own way? I had to get out of my own way in order to support Hadley in the best way possible. So I had to deal with my stuff so that she had space to deal with her stuff without 
got to do this because mom says, got to do this because I don't want to upset mom. Got it. You, you know, there's, it's a loaded, loaded situation. So for anyone listening, knowing that you need to take care of yourself and yet you don't feel you can, it's actually essential for them, whoever it is, whoever them is, they are for them to get better. And it's just, it's a non-negotiable. It has to happen at the same time, or that's how I have found success for myself and am not completely, um, you know, there's different times when I've been burnt out, but, you know, I can see the progress and I can see her struggles in a different way because I'm not coming at it only from my perspective. I'm able to put that down and just see what she's got going on. All right. So back to diet, because this is called Eat This with Leanne. What I do find most fascinating is how the topic of diet, it just just has not come up. I have to tell you that it has not come up in a conversation with a doctor other than when she was going through her eating disorder. No psychiatrist, no psychologist. I don't think that they're not bringing it up because they know that her mom who's sitting in the room was a nutritionist. It just doesn't come up. And I'm not necessarily saying that this is the answer. This is not the holy grail because... Mental health is like a puzzle. It, it really is all these different pieces of what you can do. But what I really see and what I really want to try and empower you in being intentional with what you're choosing to eat, no matter what scale you are on the anxiety or depression, um, you know, mental health, mental illness situation, it actually is one of those things like brushing your teeth in Hadley's case, where maybe you could just plan one intentional thing a day where I'm going to eat a little more color today. And I can give you laundry lists and all sorts of things, but only when you're in that headspace, maybe could you, you know, hear differently some of the things that I'm saying for everyone else, for all the caregivers, you know, that you can try and put these things on the plate for your loved one to be able to eat. Now, in Hadley's case, I do see the impact of her diet. I see the impact of her hormones and when she is not sleeping, because of course that goes hand in hand with 70% of mental health problems having their onset during childhood and adolescence and young people aged 15 to 24 being more likely to experience mental health, mental health illness or and or substance abuse use disorders other than, well, they just have this more than other group. And these stats are again, according to CAMH. Now, this is a crucial time in life that we really need to be having these conversations and hopefully even before they get to this, having these really healthy and open dialogues about how we feel, how we as parents feel, not putting the responsibility on your kids, but just letting them know that this is there is some normalcy in this and it's okay because you're working on it and you're doing things and you're you're you may be having a bad day but that's okay because tomorrow's a new day. So how can you be intentional with your mental health? So starting with diet, which like I said, is not really happening enough um, as an influencing factor. That conversation is just not being, being talked about. So a typical diet, you're eating mostly good food. Maybe you're having some takeout. You've got some cravings. You have something sweet in the afternoon, maybe in the evening, like Hadley did with a rice cream last night. Like it doesn't sound too bad, right? Like it could be a little bit better. Now, can you take charge and find a few more beneficial foods? And even if your diet is, you know, all drive through or takeout, then can there be a few 
good foods that you can start to eat to help elbow out more processed foods like fried foods or white bread, sugary drinks and snacks, because that would be one intentional step rather than trying to, you know, overturn everything. That's way too much, way too much for anyone, especially with someone who's dealing with mental health. Now, there are two diets that seem to have a positive impact on mental health, and that's the Mediterranean diet. We do have a whole episode on the Mediterranean diet, and really that's because it's encouraging more healthy fats. There's also the DASH diet, which is really focusing on reducing your sugar intake. I know without a doubt that sugar is a huge driving force in Hadley's mental health issues. Now, people who do intermittent fasting, they show some promise with its reduction in, in calories, with the timing of the meals, maybe. That can also work for some people. In a recent study, it was found that omega-3 supplements reduce about 20% in anxiety symptoms in medical students, which is a really staggering number. So eating your fish, having those, having more fats, even if it's olive oil and avocado. Um, I can remember making smoothie bowls for Hadley that had coconut oil in them. Then I would have the dark, dark, dark chocolate powder that I would, you know, just whiz into avocado and put the, put blueberries on top as much as possible. So that was, you know, sort of a mental health type bowl that I had going on. Now, eating fish, that's not everybody's love, but the salmon, the tuna, the herring, trout, mackerel, sardines, any of those going in once, twice, three times a month or a week would be ideal taking an omega-3 supplement. That is something that is on Hadley's roster of what she takes every day. It's often needed in high doses. So my Take This by Leanne Omega Boost, the balance of the EPA and DHA in there is really good. So the Mediterranean lifestyle, the Mediterranean diet, which includes your physical activity, socializing, made people 50% less likely to de develop depression. And again, this is from research. The social aspect of breaking bread together is the perfect arena for discussion, for laughter and connection. And it doesn't mean every time you sit down to the table that you're bringing up everything about how are they feeling? How is their anxiety today? This is the time to just talk about everything else so that they're, they feel included. So if a structured diet, like I've mentioned, is not really your thing, find a way to increase plants for, for your gut, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, healthy proteins like legumes. That could just be hummus and carrots, for goodness sake. It doesn't have to be anything more where you're bringing out the lentils and soaking them. Whole grains, along with those fatty fish that I've already talked about, olive oil, they're all sources of good fats. Reducing your sugar, that is absolutely huge. And people with more addictive type personalities, you're going to have the sugar, you're going to want more, want more, want more, want more. And there are studies that show that have linked while you eat the sugar, it decreases a protein called the brain derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF for short. And that can play a huge role in anxiety and depression. So there's all sorts of staggering numbers out there that really point towards your diet and being intentional with your diet. If you can't lose the pop altogether. Maybe it's one can that less today that you're drinking. Next week, it's another can less that you're drinking. And those kind of incremental steps is what really, really helps. Now, gut health. We talk about this. Your gut is your second brain. It's well known that the gut is more than a digestive space. It's also the largest sensory organ comprising of more than a hundred million nerve cells 
and the largest producer of serotonin in the body. And that's why really your gut has been called the second brain. Really, really important to understand that there is a lot going on here. So having more fiber, eliminating as much sugar as possible from your diet, taking probiotics, taking fish oils. If you can't, um, you know, if you can't eat the fish, those are really, really good things. Of course, we've got my take this by Leanne bio boost to support the gut microbiome and all of that good bacteria. And really you got to keep taking these things every day because we lose good bacteria with every bowel movement. Every time you sit on the toilet, we're losing stuff out of our body. So things do need to be replaced. Now, other ways to be intentional, we discussed in episode 101, talking about testing your DNA. And I believe that's going to be a big reveal for not only myself, but also Hadley, once we get those results back. So stay tuned for more on that. Then there's blood tests that Dr. Brockenshire talked about in episode 103 just last week. Those can also be a very intentional way of knowing what's up with your hormones, for instance. Now, movement and exercise, queuing up a little bit of a sneak peek on what we're going to talk about next week in the uh, Be Intentional series. But I thought this was an interesting stat that the female brain is more prone to depression and the male brain more prone to spectrum disorders. Because the brain produces serotonin mostly, most efficiently every couple of hours after sunrise, women benefit more with morning exercise to combat depression. Conversely, because dopamine is most efficiently produced from 10 p.m. at night, it's better for men to exercise at night to combat spectrum disorders. Now, yoga works for me. That's what I do pretty much every day. And I absolutely am someone who would work out in the morning. By the time it gets to the evening, even though best of intentions, it just doesn't happen. So some people like yoga, some people need to go for a run, whatever that is for you. It's excellent to do. Now, of course, special note, you've got to seek medical advice. Maybe you're hearing this. Maybe you've heard what Hadley has said. And you, and you identify with some of that. So seek medical advice, talk to a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and stick to the plans that you've decided together, even if it's just one thing a day. This episode is intended to support your mental health. Routine does not play, replace, of course, anything that your doctor is prescribing or recommending, but it can help you to take your power back and intentionally impact everything, everything that you do, even if it's three or four blueberries a day when you weren't doing that before awesome you're you know that's progress because we've heard Hadley talk about how even just brushing her brushing her teeth is an intentional thing for her to do don't stop asking questions I'm asking questions and I'm listening all the time that's me as the caregiver I don't know that Hadley's in that headspace but I have heard her listen to different podcasts now so she is in a in a headspace where she can take on more information there's different stages and phases from what I've observed with her and maybe you'll find uh, that something similar for you reach out to me for help with specific foods or diet or anything else that you need help with and really above else Above all else, as Hadley said, please know that you are not alone. So I'll leave it there. A fairly uplifting, hopefully, and slightly heavier podcast. Reach out on leannephillipson.com, spreadright.com, on all the same social media channels. Please share this, share this, share this, so that the conversation is further reaching than just your own ears. And thank you to you if you do 
share it. I hope that there's been something that has resonated for you there. And there's so much more to this conversation. So let's keep on talking. Thanks so much for being along today. And please remember to eat this one mouthful at a time.